Welcome to Green Minds Think Alike. Um, this is our post USDN annual meeting um, podcast. We thought I thought I'd, it'd be a good idea to uh, sit down and sort of debrief on the week that was in Denver. Um, joining me is Vanessa Baltacook, our sustainability planner here in the city of Winter Park. This was Vanessa's first opportunity to attend um, the USDN annual meeting, and so I thought it'd be great to have her. Um, give her thoughts on the whole experience. I know for me, this was my third go around at USDN. Um, I always find it to be the highlight of the year, um, getting to meet up with colleagues, um, getting to hear what's going around North America in regards to sustainability, also getting to hear from some really good speakers. Um, And so we kind of just kind of wanted to walk through the agenda, our time there, especially for those that um, weren't able to attend just so that they can get a flavor of, of what was discussed um, because there is so much great information there. Um, so, you know, the the conference started um, on Sunday afternoon. That would have been October, what was the 14th, 14th uh, 2018, for those that are looking way back <laughs> from now <laughs> at that. It actually snowed in Denver. It was um, 27 degrees when we arrived. 27 degrees, I think three inches of snow at least where where I was earlier that morning not so much in downtown Denver um, and things got kick-started on a scavenger hunt so um, you know Vanessa here's your first introduction to uh, USDN annual conference and we're out in sub 30 degree weather uh, walking around um, Denver what how did you find that initial scavenger hunt um, opportunity uh, it was great to to meet some new people in a kind of fun environment, uh, going around downtown and and learning their uh, their history a little bit, and also just kind of goofing off um, in random places. So scavenger hunt went really well. Uh, we met tons of people there, um, and then what was great was right after that, we went right to the Denver Botanical Garden uh, for the welcome reception and dinner, and that was a beautiful location. Um, I love botanical gardens, so it was really nice to be in one, and um, and we also, my team actually ended up winning. We got, or well, we were in second place. <laughs> so maybe a little, a little <laughs> thing in regards to the scavenger hunt. You know, was, I, I don't, I forget the name of the the, the software, but um, you know, there was an app that every team was given a phone, um, and you were given certain directions to go to various locations. You know, try to find locations. You'd also have opportunities to challenge other teams you know teams were roughly five to six sustainability directors and you were mixed with you know people from all over the country so it was a really good icebreaker uh team building i I think that would would be something that you know if if they have in detroit next year would be something to uh to probably use to explore uh detroit as well so um and vanessa started to touch a little bit on um the dinner that evening um you know normally that that opening dinner is, you know, first time members sort of get to meet their buddy. Everyone's, all the new attendees have a buddy that gets assigned to them. Vanessa, who was your, who was your buddy this go around? I don't know if I had a buddy, but I made lots of buddies. Okay. All right. So normally there's a buddy and oftentimes they would spend that initial dinner introducing all the buddies. Um, that didn't happen this year. They spent a little bit more time just talking a little bit more about the history of USDN. This was the 10th year of the annual conference, so that was sort of a big, big deal. Um, you know, looking also, this is the first year that by the end of the 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 calendar year, USDN will be its own five hundred three B organization, sort of 
um, moving itself out from underneath the umbrella um, of its parent organization. So, you know, there's a lot of good things going on. There's been a lot of new staff added to USDN in the last year. Um, So a lot of focus was looking at that. Um, Yeah, so in, in regards to that opening, opening dinner and reception at the botanical gardens um it's always great to you know you never know who you're going to be sitting down next to i happen to be sitting next to folks from uh from california and wisconsin and um minnesota um you know so it was it was good to hear um some of the things that were going on in in those cities um vanessa who were you kind of seated next to what was the topics of conversation around around the dinner table be it besides the crazy photos and videos of, of the scavenger hunt. I think it was primarily about the scavenger hunt um, and we know what teams we were on and uh, but we definitely had um, also a lot of people from Florida as well as California. Um, we are probably the largest states right in the USDN. Um, so we had a, we had a lot of people at our table different places our, we I think definitely touched on EVs and how we're bringing them into our cities and and what kind of different ways we're looking at working with our electric utilities to help bring in EVs. I definitely think that topic um, came up that night and, and throughout the conference. Yeah, so Monday morning got kick-started pretty early. I mean, it was a, it was a long day of, of, of good uh, talking points. Uh, initially, the, the state of the network was kind of always the last thing held on Wednesday. This year, they moved it up. Uh, to the the first thing on Monday, which was interesting um, to 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 do that, but I think given the the emphasis on the ten year anniversary, that sort of made sense to talk about where the network was. Um, they're going to be ramp revamping the USDN website, which is a, a tremendous tool for the network. Um, you know, so we're we'll be anxious to see how how that rolls out. Um, yeah, it was amazing to hear that there are two hundred uh, cities or in counties. And that counties are being welcomed. Yeah, right? counties. You know that that's new within within this uh, year. The counties are now recognized members of the network, um, so that brings a, another dynamic. I know there's always discussion about how large this uh, event sh- you know can be. You know, as it as it starts to get larger, I think we finally um, showed uh, they showed a slide of the staff of the total network is now over a thousand. Um, individuals with within the staffs of, of those USDN members. I, I think the numbers of directors is is steadily climbing, but obviously the staff growth is is pretty tremendous um, in the ten years. Um, Garrett Fitzgerald also came up and spoke um, in regards to the high impact um, practices. Practices, um, but prior to the meeting, um, that subcommittee rolled out fourteen. Um, high impact practices. I've I've been a little bit involved with those calls and and sort of deciding what those are. They're they're kind of grouped into three or four main categories. Um, and right now, sort of looking for for volunteer chairs of, and and sort of that will drive of those fourteen, um, really which ones kind of take the forefront. Um, I would say a lot of emphasis was put on. Uh, greenhouse gas reductions, giving the IPC report that was put out about two weeks before in regards to the one and a half degree. Um, so there was a lot of emphasis on that. And and really that got kick-started with uh, Hunter Lovins' um, sort of keynote 
at at you know just soon after lunch um Vanessa you want to talk a little bit about your uh, your thoughts on her her presentation uh yeah it was interesting to hear her I guess she's from natural capitalism solutions so really interesting to hear her side of how we can communicate better with our communities and our elected officials in regards to sustainability and and you know economic sustainability long term as well as the considerations for social sustainability and just really kind of a, a a nice way to understand how we can apply the market um, um, and work with the market um, to help uh, make our our cities more sustainable yeah she she gave some examples of European countries primarily Germany where they've seen you know the carbon um, market those in the petroleum and gas industry as they lose sort of market share what what that's doing um, you know she's working with economists and and other folks in in regards to even you know creating an index fund for non-carbon um, companies and you know that was that was an interesting thing you know mm-hmm. she's also pointing to EVs sort of helping lead the charge and reducing a lot of our greenhouse gas emissions um, almost to the point where some people were almost wondering is this just going to happen on its own um, and I, I don't think that was necessarily the case I at least the way she sort of responded to that question um, you know I think building buildings still play a major role in that and building electrification you know I attended a a session later in the in the um, in the conference about building electrification so you know that I think buildings even though EVs obviously will play a major role um, buildings and, and what happens in the built environment will, will also play a role there um, but I, I came away encouraged a little bit more than I probably did in the in past years you know Paul Hawkins spoke last year having just released his book Drawdown um, sort of ranking those things that will help reduce um, greenhouse gases um, and then one thing that was you know something that maybe is just sort of gaining in interest within the network or um, maybe not highlighted as much as it should be as carbon sequestering mm-hmm. um, and Hunter spoke about that um, studies that have gone on in California and other locations looking at how we can sequester the, the existing carbon that's out there not only the carbon that we're going to be releasing um, and looking at ways of um, land management that help lead to uh, sequestering carbon um, that seemed to be the focus uh, through responsible ranching um, you know she even brought up the fact that cows even play a role so mm-hmm. you know those that focus on uh, vegetarian diets may you know yes there's other reasons but um, you know there's still a role to play there so I thought that was also interesting um, that that came up uh, in that discussion um, you know from there uh, we we went into um, innovation fund pitches um, basically the you know uh, I think there were maybe 15 or so individuals or teams of individuals that that came on to present their ideas on some of the 
high impact practices that they're interested in in leading into the um, or not the high impact uh, innovation funds uh, grants um, which is a grant that's given out uh, through USDN that ranges you know in the hundred thousand plus in regards to that grant um, on the last day we then broke into small groups to, to talk about um, if we had interest in joining into those innovation grant proposals. Um, so maybe skipping ahead a little bit to talk about that. Um, Vanessa, which one did, of those did you attend? I attended the local levers to increase food resilience, which was led by Jerry from Denver. And so that was a, a good group. We had people there from city of Orlando. We actually with winter park are part of the good food, central Florida food policy council. So it just seemed like kind of a, a really good fit um, for us to participate in um, and just kind of looking at different ways that we can help increase food resilience in our different cities. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a quick, you know, overview of what they're hoping to do. And it sounds like they're working on the proposal. It's not due, I think, for another few weeks. And then, um, and then you know, hopefully we'll be, uh, they'll be getting back to us. And it even sounds, you know, if, if we don't get funded for it, you know, a lot of there's a lot of interest there, so that maybe we can even move ahead um, on our own um, to to help push some um, policies and programs to encourage uh, food resilience. How about so, you? Which one did you do? Um, I happened to go to. I didn't really of the pitches. I I didn't find myself necessarily totally drawn to one, but I actually went to the one on cooling towers. Okay. Um, just because it sounded uh, code and and building related. Yeah. Um, for those that are unfamiliar, um, there have been instances in, in North America, um, in this particular one, it's led by the city of Vancouver, um, where they've seen where cooling towers have not been maintained and become a public health hazard. And unfortunately, there is no um, record keeping or required maintenance that is necessary for um, uh for cooling towers, and so this was an effort uh, to sort of have USDN um, through its initiative in, in public health to, to look at um, sort of creating a uh, repository or a library for municipalities that are interested in tracking um, cooling towers within their cities such that they don't become public health hazards. You know, ultimately this this becomes an equity issue as well, you know, buildings that older buildings may not be getting the maintenance that they require and therefore those folks that, that are living in those may be more susceptible to to um, contact with with the waterborne um, mist that's, that's given off by those cooling towers. Um, so that's where I ended up going. It, it, was, it was really interesting to sort of hear more about and where it might end up. Um, so that, that's, that's where I went. Maybe just kind of jumping on from there, Vanessa, you were, you were talking about food and you went on that night, Monday night, we then had a open evening for, for dinner. And I know you went to, um, I went to a food, uh, to the NRDC food waste event. Um, and so basically that was a good opportunity again, just to kind of, uh, talk about food waste, um, and, uh, it was a pretty small group. It was probably maybe a dozen people from different um, cities. There were actually a couple people from Florida. I know um, um, uh, City of Miramar was there as well as City of Orlando. 
um, as well as some people from the Northeast. Um, but it was a kind of, you know, kind of laid back and a uh, little bit of discussion on NRDC's um, new campaign to end, uh, to help end food waste. And uh, so we got a little information on that. Uh, it sounds like NRDC is really interested in working with uh, USDN and its partners to help, um, uh, you know, provide this kind of uh, resources and technical assistance in terms of providing us with some uh, PSAs related to food waste, um, as well as working on some best practices for all the the cities that are that are involved and, and interested. So it was it was it was good. It was uh you know pretty laid back, but uh, I think you went over to. Um, the SSDN. Yeah, I met there, up right? with a you know a pretty large group from the southeast, um, and we had fantastic dinner and, and time to share with our our folks um, there at, uh, from the southeast. So, th- so that was that was excellent. Then leading into um, Tuesday morning, um, we had our first deep dive session. Um, I happened to go to a deep dive on electric vehicles. Um, and sort of where the market is is going with electric vehicles um, you know clearly we're, we're seeing their impact um, there was also discussion in regards to policies in, with electric vehicles now we didn't get into autonomous vehicles that's something a little bit while well, related it wasn't the topic that we wanted to necessarily go into um, we're talking about charging um, you know where do we go with charging in cities? Is it something the cities should be providing? Um, I I think the, the there was uh, I believe it was the city of Aspen that was looking at or or city of Boulder excuse me that had mentioned that you know really it looks like it makes in some cases more sense to be putting in fast charge stations versus um, a level two type charge just just in regards to the the time. Um, and almost creating fueling stations for um, for those that are in the ride sharing business. You know, the, your Ubers and Lyfts, um, they're going to want the fast charge. They're not going to they're not going to be sitting around waiting for a level two charger to charge their vehicle. So where do you sort of put those? Um, you know, I raise the question in regards to emergency management. Is you know we we're just off the heels of Hurricane Michael and um, and just talking about how do you deal with mass migrations of people and electric vehicles due to you know evacuation routes and so forth and and there you're going to need rapid charging along the interstates and do how do cities respond to that um, so those were some of the discussions that we we had there's also obviously the equity issue in regards to electric vehicles right now they're still pretty much in the luxury market although they are starting to get cheaper, you know, your Nissan Leaf used um, is getting more reasonable. Um, but it it's definitely seems like electric vehicles are here to stay and it's it's gonna keep uh, moving forward. Um, Vanessa, where did, where did you spend your deep dive? I went to the Identifying Effective Green Power Procurement Strategies session and that was, uh, that was uh, you know, really interesting to hear from cities um, and primarily, actually, we, we heard a lot from the Rocky Mountain Institute, and they, it was, I, I felt like it was more of a way for them to find out what cities needed. They gave us a very kind of general um, uh, explanation of different ways of, 
uh, different green power procurement strategies that are available to cities. Um, so things like community solar, power purchase agreements, um, and who those are applicable to. Like for us in Florida, we don't have that. Um, um, and then, you know, things like on-site installation um, and how can we identify some of the strategies for our community. And people, you know, had an opportunity to kind of share what was working on uh, with their cities and uh, chat about, you know, what might be able to work in other cities. Uh, we're all in such different kind of spaces. You know, we, some of us are uh, municipal owned utilities. Uh, many people in the room were investor owned utilities. And so lots of limitations in terms of, you know, um, or not limitations, but, you know, distinctions in terms of what one city can do to increase green power versus the other. There was a also, you know, some, some discussion on recs and, you know, how, how do those fit in? You know, are they, you know, should they be completely off the table because they won't necessarily lead to additional renewable energy um, installations? Or do we find kind of these other, you know, that we were talking about virtual power purchase agreements where in the end there are there is some additionality there and you know you are helping fuel kind of a renewable market um, especially if you look at places um, that are doing it in in California or places where there are already let's say some renewables um, requirements and standards so kind of uh, a good opportunity to learn about what people are doing and also start thinking about um, what's what are some new things we could be doing and how Rocky Mountain Institute and World Resources Institute can help us as uh, sustainability directors um, bring green power procurement um, to our cities. And they definitely were, you know, kind of un trying to understand our challenges and what can they do to help us uh, make this kind of an easier uh, process for us when we're working with our respective utilities. Yeah, so for me, again, leading into the carbon sequestering, that's where I, I spent my um the next sort of deep dive and getting to know more. I, I kind of came into it eyes wide open, um, really not having an idea as to where it was going to go. And, uh, I, you know, and seeing what they're doing in Colorado and California um, with Cal Berkeley and, and looking at ways of land management, um, you know, they're finding that laying compost across a large land area and then planting a variety of plant materials the benefits that you gain, you know, both in you know, reducing food waste that might be going to landfill and creating methane, um, but then also finding that the, the soil retains about five times as much carbon mm. when they apply this compost mixture. Um, so really fascinating. And then how do you, how do you take that to scale? Um, it was really sort of the next um, point to look at. Uh, so following the carbon sequestering um, conversation, um, we all then went out for tours. Um, Vanessa, where did you end up going on your tour? I actually did the bike tour, but before I get into that, I did want to mention that the I had two other uh, pretty neat sessions uh, before that, which was I went to the USDN Members of Color lunch. Oh, yes. Uh, which I thought was great. Uh, it was nice to um, see that this was something that was offered at the conference. Uh, it's something that I actually learned about just as I was going through the app, which, by the way, was really neat. Um, and so uh, that was a great opportunity to kind of meet uh, different people in the cities and, you know, learn about 
you know, different aspects of USDN in terms of, you know, uh, staff versus directors and how all that works. And uh, it was just a good time and, uh, you know, just great people to, to kind of get together with. Uh, the other session that I really enjoyed was uh, my afternoon was with the incorporating sustainability and zoning and land development ordinances, um, which was kind of neat to learn about how cities are um, incorporating sustainability into their uh, zoning and land development ordinances, um, specifically what kind of incentives or requirements they're using. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how many of the, actually we had some people there from Colorado. so. We actually, when we went on our bike tour, got to see kind of some of these in action. Um, but yeah, the bike tour was really great. We went downtown. Um, we used their um, bike share there, which I can't remember the name of right now. Um, but uh, but it was which, a, that was actually the first bike share in the country, right? As I recall, or at oh, least really? at least that was one of the trivia questions that ah. that came up. <laughs> I must have gotten that one wrong. I didn't know that, but it was it was a it was a good bike tour. Uh, we did the downtown area. Um, we went by the rivers. Uh, they have like a nice, uh, nice area there set up uh, with uh, the the natural creek that they have, and um, we got to meet. I guess it's the the confluence of the Cherry Creek and the South Platte River. Um, so really nice kind of uh, public gathering space that they have there, and um, beautiful view of the downtown. There was actually somebody fly fishing when we were there. Um, which I guess wouldn't have been possible decades ago because the their river and uh, uh, creek there were pretty polluted, and so uh, through the help of the uh, a couple nonprofit organizations, I think in the area they were able to really clean up that river. So it was a really nice bike tour, and by that time it wasn't snowing anymore. It was already in the probably in the 50s and the 60s. I was actually a little warm, so it was it was a good time to do a bike tour. You mentioned um, the equity lunch, or the. Oh yeah. Uh, there was also, um, I I forgot to mention Monday afternoon the equity fellows, um, and basically those are summer interns, if you will, um, that that um, are placed within sustainability departments throughout the U.S. And there were six equity fellows. Um, yeah, and a lot of them were at the lunch. Right, yeah. and. Uh, you know that was fascinating to hear um, the projects that they worked on for their their summers there. Um, a lot of community outreach, um, you know, from also just sort of getting a census analysis, if you will, of of you know the city of Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what were some of the other examples of of things that the they were creating? Those... Um, I know the the gal that sat next to me, she had created a kind of just a sustainability, you know, very kind of a general like sustainability um, informational kind of guide um, for community engagement, which I thought was great because that's kind of a basic thing, but I don't know how many people actually have that. Um, so I, I definitely hooked up with her and got her card and um, she got my card and so she'll be sending that info to me because I thought what a great, you know, kind of um, guide for engaging our communities. Yeah, I mean, in, in the program as a whole is excellent. I mean, those fellows bring a lot of insight and ideas. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're, the next wave, now that we're starting to see more universities with sustainability programs, yeah. um, to see that influx is, is really great. Um, jumping back to the tours, I happened to go to um, NREL, the National Renewable Energy Lab, 
um, out in Golden. Um, they're, I, th- I believe, one of 17 national labs. Um, they have the second largest supercomputer um, in the U.S. behind Oak Ridge, um, which allows them to do, you know, some huge computer modeling and computations. Um, you know, they've got one building that's basically dedicated to this supercomputer and its cooling system. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also get to see the labs where they're independently testing a lot of renewable energy um, products. Um, you know, they're not in the business of selling anything. They're, they're testing things and, and looking at, you know, new opportunities. Um, they also host uh, grant recipients um, as they, they look at different technologies in, in the renewable space. Um, so that was, uh, interesting to, you know, it was, it was sort of a glorified building tour. We did get to meet with some of the staff there, um, a little bit, um, you know, any neat stuff, like any neat new technology, nothing that we really got to get up close and personal with, um, you know, they showed them, um, you could look down into these labs and see, you know, they were looking at appliances, you know, a modular building that was, um, actually a, a condominium project in Denver was using it's called I house I believe is mm-hmm. what it was you know sort of these prefabricated units that could be stacked mm-hmm. um, and then you know looking at different inverters and and those types of things uh, for solar they, they were also talking about a, a solar um, paint if you will um, to where they could literally print um, photovoltaics on on materials mm-hmm. so that you know that seems to be something that might be coming up around the corner um so that that was sort of exciting they it did sound like you know that it the current federal administration has been a challenge um but their funding has actually sort of remained the same um so that was encouraging to hear so um you know it it was a neat place to experience and they do a lot of education and outreach in the area so you know it's a it's a great resource to have there um so shifting gears, then um, that was game night that same day. That Which was game yeah night. game night um, at the Wincoop Brewery. At the Wincoop Brewery, who which was actually started by the governor of Colorado, who spoke to us, um, I believe on op- on opening day on yeah, Monday. I think so. Yeah. Or, the and, first day. Yeah, um, and the the governor of uh, of Colorado. Um, is you know, actually a day or two later I saw was listed in in Time magazine as a potential candidate for president uh, in this upcoming election. Oh, you're kidding. Um, and so he was, you know, they were talking about, you know, he's relatively new to the um, uh, political landscape and he, he was telling us about that. Um, you know, he kind of was, has become a, he was a community activist and sort of dragged into becoming mayor of, of Denver and then ultimately to, uh, moving on to, to, to the governor. And, you know, his stance was sort of bringing communities together to bring rail, um, you know, to the the Denver area and then just working with the municipalities on a, on a regional landscape, um, which also then goes to, um, uh, yeah, John Hickenlooper uh, was his name. I knew it, it was on the edge of my tongue, but I, I could not remember. <laughs> uh, so um, it was great to have him there. And the mayor of Denver greeted us when we first arrived. He couldn't be there in person, but did give a, um, a good presentation on what sustainability has meant to him, both in his life and, 
as um, as Denver has grown. Yeah, that was Mayor Michael Hancock. And uh, we got a good video from him. Yeah, that was excellent. So, um, you know, maybe one thing moving forward in the future, and I heard this kind of discussed, was getting more mayors than just the local mayor to attend and the benefit of having elected officials attend this meeting or portions of it from a panel standpoint, you know, to potentially move the needle on some of the things that we're trying to move forward within the network. Um, We did then have a discussion or there was a panel discussion amongst local sustainability directors there in in, uh, the Denver region where um, they found benefit to kind of coming together as well on a quarterly basis. Um, and that's really helped them in regards to things like data access um, and a few other uh, things that they work through with either their utility or transit or, you know, those types of things. So working together um, has really proved benefits to them, um, that, you know, as they can share ideas amongst one another. Yeah, we also have that with the Florida Sustainability Directors Network. That's really helpful to be able to just kind of uh, you know, learn what all of our uh, neighboring cities are doing. And also, you know, we do kind of work within the confines of uh, state law. So it's been really beneficial to, to have that opportunity to, to also kind of chat with our with our Florida counterparts. Um, and then Wednesday, kind of closing up, uh, I mentioned I went to um, a building electrification primer. A lot of that discussion, of course, is it's the idea there is moving away from natural gas and coal um, to more electric sources that can be powered by renewables. Um, more, you know, more northern climates tend to be, you know, relying upon heating oil or natural gas for heat. Um, and wh- while they tend to be maybe more efficient than electrical heating, you know, uh, the potential for heat pump technology, which is used here in the south, but is is slowly gaining. Um, prevalence in the Midwest. Um, Also looking at heat pump water heaters as a more efficient means uh, to heating water as opposed to to natural gas. Um, So Vanessa, where did you end up in that uh, discussion? uh, That morning I went to the impacts of recycling market challenges on local governments. Um, And that was a, a good session we had at least a dozen people in there. Um, we had uh, speakers from Atlanta and um, Denver, as well as from um, Oregon, and it was it was uh, you know we we definitely discussed um, uh, you know different restrictions now that we're facing in our in our respective communities in regards to um, contamination of recyclables, um, you know the impacts of of China policy. Um, you know, what are some things that we can do at the local level to help, you know, decrease contamination, but at the same time, there was a, there was a really kind of a, a, a strong discussion on, you know, should we be, you know, focusing more on, you know, the other parts of the whole, you know, three R's, and maybe we should make you be, be focusing on the four R's, so, you know, refusing, you know, then reducing, then reusing, and then going down to recycling because it is in terms of a hierarchy it is a hierarchy and and it does seem like a lot of focus is on recycling when there are other things that we can be focusing on in regards um, to the other R's so a really interesting conversation Um, we we discussed you know 
what different cities are doing in terms of recycling. Some are, you know, thinking about removing things from their lists and, you know, discussed how it's challenging if we ever were able or ever going to need to bring back those things on the list and, you know, in terms of education and communication. Um, and then, you know, also some discussion on, on how can we encourage as cities, regions, kind of a circular economy so that these materials uh, don't leave our cities um, and go elsewhere, but maybe we can actually do something with them in our own, uh, you know, local economy and try and build some resilience into our our waste and recycling streams that we currently have. Uh, definitely some discussion. As always, food kind of did get in there. We did talk a little bit about food waste, but it was primarily um, talking about recyclables. And uh, uh, John R. from Atlanta did mention, um, you know, Recycle Across America and, and how the impact of standardization of, um, of labeling can help, you know, cities and, and across the country kind of, you know, start making this so difficult for our, for, for our, for our residents. Uh, we here in City Winter Park um, have have our Recycle Across America labels on our our roll carts um, and are looking at ways to expand it into the rest of our city. Um, I know City of Orlando is also doing it in their public spaces and uh, we also have the Orlando Airport. So, um, you know, really interesting kind of talking about, you know, what are some ways to hopefully, you know, um, deal with our different issues that we have with recycling in China and all of that. Yeah, so from there, uh, went into open space pitches where basically uh, anyone could throw out ideas about uh, working groups that they'd maybe like to continue, um, you know, pro- you know, grant proposals from a peer learning exchange. Um, it's, it's sort of really open for any type of discussion. Um, where did you find yourself drawn uh, during those open space pitches, Vanessa? Uh, definitely food waste. So there was a conversation about... Um, uh, I think what it landed, I'm trying to think of exactly what we talked about, but we, we kind of floated around, um, food waste and composting and working with a commercial composter, um, how they're doing that in their city. Some people have, you know, several options for, um, their residents, you know, they can put it in their yard waste, um, or they can work with a company who will actually pick up, um, the separated, um, uh, food waste uh, for composting and um, they also talked about how uh, a lot of them they started with just a program at a farmer's market trying to build a let's say customer base for these other companies um, and going from there so starting you know with people who are already interested in in doing something with their food waste other than putting it in the garbage um, so th- that conversation uh, you know there were different people from the, the previous uh, uh, conversations I had had, so that was great to see, you know, these kind of different ideas that people are having and, and how they're rolling it out. Um, how about you? Where did you go for that one? So I, I kind of was drawn to this big picture proposal that was thrown out there that um, Leah from Providence had brought up, and I guess it was based upon a an open pitch from the year prior, um, Vicky from Salt Lake, had sort of posed, are we headed in the right direction? Where are we going? Are we focused? Um, and so, you know, I I thought it was it, it was going to be an interesting discussion, and it was, um, you know, a wide variety of folks. Um, you know, it's it it started out with 
you know, what sort of are the things that we're most proud of, the, of what we're doing in our communities. And then it sort of led to, you know, what does, what does our environment look like 200 years from now, which was a very interesting um, thought process to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me being pessimistic and thinking, oh, maybe it's a combination of uh, Blade Runner meets Martian <laughs> to, you know, others that, you know, had maybe some more utopian type ideas. Um, it was a really good thought exercise. I don't know that we necessarily came to any conclusions, but I think it was opening a dialogue in regards to um, where sustainability is going. Is it will will eventually is our hope that it it just gets so ingrained in everything that we do that there is no need for sustainability directors per se. I mean, do we be, become you know life coaches in in something else or? Um, so it was a it was a really good opportunity to sort of rather than focusing in on one particular item to sort of look big picture on on things and um, so that was that was sort of an interesting exercise um, and then from there we kind of just went into our closing lunch and wrap ups um, so uh, Vanessa sort of give me your your take on your experience in in Denver. Um, how did you find the experience? Did you, did it? Did you have? Did you come away with some some different ideas? Are you excited about Detroit next year? What you know, kind of what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm. I I thought it was a great experience. You know, I had in my previous uh, research as a grad student, I'd actually looked at USDN's network before, um, so it was really neat to actually see it in person and and see. Who these people are and and how they work together and how they're able to collaborate so it's nice to be a part of that um, as a staff member I, I you know there was definitely discussion um, in the people of color uh, session of you know this opening of allowing staff members how that actually allows a lot of people of color um, to actually be a part of the USDN um, conference so I, I, I hope that that's something that, you know, will continue is including staff. Um, it, it was a great opportunity to, to meet people outside of Florida who are doing things that um, maybe their state uh, in some cases requires them to do um, that, that's very sustainable, that, you know, isn't happening here in Florida. But at the same time, um, really interesting to hear the challenges that they face. You know, just because you're in California doesn't mean that um, every sustainability initiative is going to be um, welcomed with open arms. Uh, definitely sounded like all of them have a lot of challenges. Uh, there's also some discussion about, you know, uh, work-life balance, and, and it was good to hear, you know, that uh, all of us are kind of working through these things and, and kind of want that balance and to hear that kind of a safe, kind of a welcoming environment for USDN. So, yeah, I'd absolutely love to be a part of the one in Detroit. and. Um, I think that um, the 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 stuff that we went through and all the different sessions, it's all you know. I've, I've written it down, and uh, I, I can't wait to actually try and you know put some of these things in place. Uh, probably my one of my uh, most interesting sessions was on the planning and zoning uh, and seeing how can we actually incorporate that into our city um, in some way. How can we incorporate these sustainability initiatives? You know, codify those standards or codify those standards in some way. Um, 
so that we can, um, you know, as you said, you know, kind of move that needle forward in, in Winter Park and at the same time, you know, respect the, the, the character of Winter Park, um, which has always been, you know, to be a really walkable, you know, city for, for, for our residents and to be a sustainable kind of development um, in, for, for, for our current generations and also our future generations. So yeah, really looking forward to next year. Oh, that's great feedback. Um, you know, I know for me, um, again, like I said in the open, that's it, this is always sort of like the, the highlight of my professional year is, is going to this conference. You, you find things both big and small. Um, and I think that's great because there are things that you can immediately do once you get back. You, you know, you rush back and you're excited about being able to implement something small and then still have some things and resources and, and now networks to people for some of the bigger picture things. Um, you know, and like you said, you know, I'm sitting across the table talking to folks from Alaska and Hawaii mm-hmm. and Vancouver and, you know, to be able to talk and share things that we have in common as we're looking at and new tools that they're they're finding that we haven't come across um you know that's the power of the network um you know and and in closing i also also want to just say you know publicly thank you to nils mo and his staff at usdn for always putting on a great um conference um you know i think they did an excellent job in allowing more time for networking this year i mean there was a lot of content but also i felt like we still had good time in order to um to speak with our colleagues and get to know them more and, and network about different things that that we're all working on so kudos to them um, yeah it was great it was a great conference yeah. great food great great time yeah great events. so excellent um so hopefully those of you that that couldn't attend this gives you some ideas to the goings-on at, at usdn this last year um you know we're sorry you guys weren't there because obviously uh we would love to have shared it with you again, um, and and hopefully we'll see you in Detroit, um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks.